Good morning. My name is Karen Ecker, and I'm part of the um, Chantilly community group. And I will be reading Acts 1, 6 through 11. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, church. Uh, before we dig into this text, let me, uh, if you just join me in a brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I, uh, we've already been doing this this morning. And we just have to pause again, Lord, to um, just to recognize that if you did nothing else for us today, Jesus has died for our sins, and he has risen in victory over death and suffering and injustice. You have given us a king who has made us more than conquerors, and that is good news today. Thank you, God. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen. So uh, this particular text, as you're familiar with it, um, highlights the, not only the resurrection of Jesus, but also his ascension. And then also there's a, there's a commission that's given to his people. And a couple of things I wanted to talk about before we just to bring to your attention before we even get into sort of what the charge is for his people. And um, this text written by Luke, you know, he makes it very clear that, that Jesus rose from the dead. And even in the text, he says that, uh, that Jesus didn't just appear, rise from the dead, and then take off to go be back with the Heavenly Father, but that he actually stuck around for 40 days and through many convincing proofs uh, showed that he was indeed alive and that he had indeed uh, completed everything that he had promised. And then he also commissioned his followers, as you saw there in the text, that, uh, that they would be his witnesses, that they should be his witnesses, not only where they are, but throughout the earth, wherever it is that they would go. Now, as, a, as a, some people would hear this text and see these things, they might think, oh, well, this is sort of the problem with the church today, uh, as, I, as I look at this and as I, the, the way that I understand this and I see that other, the way that Christians practice this is that, um, you know, this is a problem because it, it, it seems like from this text that they have permission to proselytize, you know, that wherever they go, they should start talking about Jesus and preaching the gospel, whether it's in the workplace or um, even some of the most awkward places, leaving gospel tracts in the bathroom and stuff like that, right? And, and this is, well, this is the, the problem with the church, right? And, 
Um, yet, most people would agree that we would, it is good for us to pursue some kind of purpose for our lives, whether it's big or small, right? But we need to evaluate what we're doing. What is it that we're about? And can we look at that, right? And um, Christianity, in particular, says that we have a king who is alive and well, and that he has given us marching orders. And so, it's, it's, so if, if Christians are following this king, I mean, they have no choice but to be engaged in proselytizing, as it were. But is there more uh, than uh, to the Christian mission? Is there more for ordinary people to do than just these things? And that's what we'll get into this morning. I'm going to take a look at that. But even as we think about this, you know, taking these marching orders, being uh, believers who are on mission, ordinary people, by whose authority do we do these things? Right? And uh, I think that's the question that our society is asking. Like, why, how, how do, why do, why do Christians get the audacity uh, to preach their truth, right? to share these things, in, uh, not just in private, but even worse, right, in public places? Uh, where do they get the audacity? Where does the authority come from? And so, and of course, our answer, Christians' answers would be, well, from Christ, right? Well, oh, yeah, but society would go, well, that's convenient because Jesus is not, he's not here, right? He's, you, you Christians have said he's alive, and, but he's also up there, right? Isn't that convenient, right? That you can, uh, there's, there's no, we can't go in and, and question your authority. He's, he's not here, right? He is risen, as the text said, but he's, but he's gone, and so we can't, we can't really dig into that. So you've just, like, uh, you're saying that your, your marching orders are coming from someone that we can't go and inquire, that we can't go and debate with, that we can't go and wrestle with on our own. But people will also, I think not just uh, when I say people, not just uh, society or those who are um, not committed to the Christian faith, um, have some, some issues with the Christian mission. It's not just them. It's not just skeptics, but I think also believers struggle with this as well. And I think one of the reasons why believers can sometimes struggle with this, this whole idea of uh, Christians uh, taking marching orders from Jesus and being on mission is because they look around and frankly, oppression still exists. There's still death, right? So, and it kind of makes you wonder, as a believer, is, is Jesus really alive? Is he truly on the throne if all these things are happening? Like, what, what, by what authority? What authority do we have right, to, to live out a life that, that Christ has carved out, that Christ has commanded? By what authority can we do these things? Should we do these things when suffering is still a part of our reality? And I think also that uh, for some other believers, and maybe it says, I know I've struggled with this, and maybe this is you today, where you, you, you feel like, okay, yeah, I want to make a difference with my life. Like, I, 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 want, to, I want to live a life that has a significant impact, but I, I shouldn't really pursue it, right? As we're almost made to feel guilty because of our certain theology. And theology is this, that, oh, I've been saved by grace. So it's, it's just enough 
that I, I, I'm just kind of breathing and getting by because, um, I, after all, I'm, I'm a sinner. And, I, you know, why, why should I uh, live a life that, ha that has an impact on other people? I, I just need to uh, do what needs to be done, get through life, and then one day, you know, I will live with God as uh, according to the promise of Jesus. Right? But I, I shouldn't be seeking to live a life of meaning and purpose and impact. Right? Who am I to, to try to pursue something like that? Right? But uh, what, what I have through Jesus like, in the future, like, that's, that's enough. But somewhere deep down we know that it's not enough for us simply to live good lives. It's, a, it's not simply enough to go, hey, you know, at the end of my days, I just want to be able to say, look, I took care of the mortgage, and maybe I had a couple of kids, and I was able to put them through college, and isn't that awesome? Right? And all those things are good. But maybe, maybe the kind of life that we should pursue, and I'm going to argue that the scriptures show us that we are free to pursue is a life that when it impacts other people, it wants them, it leaves them with a hunger for God. It leaves them with a hunger for God. Right? We don't just want goodness, but godliness. And it is how do we live this kind of life? How do we leave that kind of impact as ordinary people, especially with the physical Jesus not here with us? He's risen, right? And, and he's ascended. He is with the Father. How can we do this? How can we live a life of impact where, uh, so that uh, other people begin to desire uh, and to want to know our great God even more? Well, we may have goals, but we, and we may try to imitate what we see in the scriptures, but we don't have any control over the results of what we pursue, right? We don't have any control over these different things. But what I want to uh, propose to you this morning is uh, from, from the word is that we can at least be, we need to be clear on what the path, our journey toward making an impact in the world for the sake of the name of the Lord, what that could look like. How do we characterize that journey? And the good news is that we're, we're not alone in this, right? And, and, and we already know this. I mean, we're here this morning. We already know that, you know, you look around and you see, hey, I'm, I'm not alone, right? And of course, we need to be able to dig deeper into our relationships to, to really sense that and to know that we are not alone. But there are things that we can pursue. There are certain boundaries that God has given to us if we're going to pursue a life that makes an impact for his namesake. Ordinary people who are on the journey to heaven together. How can we do this? How are we to live until Jesus returns? The three things I just want to point out to you, the first two things will be uh, fairly brief, and the last one I'll spend a little bit more time on that. But I want to, I'm going to show you that, that God himself is with us and that he will, he will guide us, but he's going to do it uh, in different ways. He will, he will guide us away from what I call spiritualizing. He will guide us away from politicizing, but he will also guide us into his presence. He will guide us away from spiritualizing, away from politicizing, and into his presence. Uh, if you look at verses 9 through 11, he said this, Luke writes this, After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. 
And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Right? And I, I, so these, these people are like, you know, the, the people of God who were there as Jesus ascended. The angels come and speak to them, and they are literally heavenly minded, but not any earthly good. Right? The, 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 the angels are calling them to pay attention to what's going on around them. Right? The, don't, don't walk through life just staring up into heaven and, 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 want, and just looking for Jesus to return. But that no, no, men of Galilee, there is work to do. You need to be here. You need to be present in this world. Right? So there is, uh, it, it's like when we think about what it looks like to practice our faith at work. Right? So there, there is, we can be, we can just think, well, okay, let me, let me figure out, how do I do this? Like, do I just leave a, a couple of verses in the bathroom or something like that with, and see if I can get away with that, you know, um, sort of like a spy or whatever? And that might be pretty cool. I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. But there's more to it, right? That there's, there's, there's what, what kind of impact can you actually make in your work? That there's a difference between loving God at my workplace and loving God through my work, right? There's a, there's a difference between these things. And, uh, you know, what, the, there's this, um, this, this spiritualizing, right, is that, that I'm speaking of here and is, um, could be like when we, we're so focused on trying to have prayer meetings, right, in the community, which we need to have, right, by the way. So I'm not saying don't do that, right? We need to have that. But what about the community board meetings? What about those? Right? We need to be present there. Men of Galilee, go to the community board meeting. Right? And, it, and it doesn't, like, it, uh, it, you know, it, it, with the spiritualizing, the spiritualizing posture, it's, it's almost as if, like, it doesn't matter how we treat our neighbors. It doesn't matter how we treat our kids, as long as we're putting in hours as an usher or a Sunday school teacher. Right? Um, like, you know, that, that's spiritual. You're doing the spiritual things. Well, forget about all those relationships, right? But, but here it is, like the, the angels, God through the angels is reminding the disciples of Jesus and the body of Christ today that we are not called to withdraw from this journey on earth. Right? We are called to be present. As a matter of fact, Jesus said himself in his Sermon on the Mount, he said, it is the peacemakers that will be called sons of God. The peacemakers, that is, those who are involved in the suffering, those who are involved in the conflict, and those who seek to bring peace, right? They don't, they don't merely just sit by, but they're, but they're involved in it, and they're involved in the process, and they're getting their hands dirty, as it were, and seeking to make a difference right where they are. Now, in the, in the Roman world, I mean, even as Jesus, when Jesus said this, when he talked about becoming sons of God, there were, this, this term uh, was already there. It was already there in the culture, right? So folks were like, okay, yeah, I know what a son of God is, and his name, we call him Caesar, right? That, that, those are the, the sons of God, those who have been given a divine right to dominate, right? Those are the sons of God. And so even as we, we hear this term, 
sons of God, even our culture today would be like, oh, see, that, that, that's the problem with these, these Christians. See, just, Jesus is talking about, hey, I'm, I'm going to make you into sons of God. Or, oh, yeah, see, the, we all know that absolute power right, corrupts absolutely. And we've seen this happen already, like within the church. And I'll get to more of that in a second. But, but, but here's this, we, we, we don't want right, to see uh, Christians fulfilling what Jesus is talking about here, unless he has a different vision. For when we watch Jesus, the true Son of God, we see that he uses his power not to dominate, but to serve. And so what we're not, well, we're not called uh, to withdraw, right? We, we are also called to be involved in the world, to see the decay that is going on around us, and to not let it go unchecked, but to step in, to intervene, to serve. Our need as a body of Christ, our need then is while we're saying, while we're declaring that Jesus is Lord, we also need to learn how to use our power. We need to learn how to use it. So this is, so this is the, the, the path of uh, uh, spiritualizing that we, that we hear about from Luke here. Right, or withdrawal, if you want to put it that way. Right, this isn't what, uh, uh, what God's people are called to. This isn't the way that we make an impact, is by withdrawing uh, from the places around us. But as we declare who our Lord is, let us also learn how to use our power. Look at verse 6. This is where, so here's, here's, an, here's another posture that I'm suggesting here uh, called... Uh, politicizing, and, and we're, we're, we're drawn and we're guided away from this. In verse 6, it says that, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. They're not for you to know, right? Uh, I'm, okay, you see here the desire to actually experience the kingdom, right? The, the believers are ready. They're ready to see some action. There's our old school song, time for some action, right? Um, but it's just some of that's old school hip hop. But anyway, so yeah, there's, right, they're, they're ready to see some action, okay? Jesus has just defeated death. He's declared his victory. And as he's told, we know that he's, he's about to leave. Let's go. Come on, Jesus. Let's make it happen, right? We're ready to take over some people and, specifically Rome, take them down. Like, let's, let's do this. And, and, and Jesus says, wait, hang on, right? It is not for you, right, to know the dates or the times. So the Father alone has the authority to do that, right? And these things are not for you to know. Like, how, how many of you know that it's been really easy for Christians to totally conflate the gospel with some sort of social or political agenda. Super easy to do that. Because we're ready to take the kingdom right now. Make our kingdom now. But, but Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. The Father alone has the authority to do that, right? And says, hang on a second. Right? And, but, you know, unfortunately, many Christians give in to a manifest destiny, baptizing the slaughter and slave, slavery of their neighbors, right? And, and here, here it is. I'm, I'm not going to... And we all know this narrative is out there. We all know the history is out there. And I'm not going to go into this too deep. 
and I'm not even going to name it. I just saw it this weekend in a, a movie that shall not be named because I don't want to ruin it for anybody. But there's just like, there's, there's like, but there's, you probably might guess, but there's, a, there's even one scene in this movie that you may see at some point that just came out this weekend, but um, where, <laughs> where, where somebody is, is angry and goes after uh, a particular people because um, their kind of kingdom was baptized by the church. This guy literally kills a priest. Okay, so there's this, the, the people know and have seen this. this. This sort of posture is out there. Everybody knows about it. That when, when Christians here would think of a risen Jesus and, and what he has uh, commissioned us to do, our reflex is to politicize it and to try to bring the kingdom through our own agendas and our own instruments. But we are not called to dominate on this journey. We're not called to dominate, but we are called to serve. But Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount also said, it is the meek who will inherit the earth. The meek, not those who overpower different people and take their resources for themselves. And so here's the need. While we also need to learn, we need to be active in the world. I mean, just here's, you know, the, the plus side of sort of this domination is that we, we see, you know, Christians wrestling with how to use their power, right? But as you use your power, you need to be able to also declare by the character of how you use your power that Jesus, in fact, is Lord, right? This domination is, is, is antichrist. So it's just like, what, I mean, just look at the results of it, right? When, when people see um, or Christians who have totally politicized their engagement with the world, what they come away with is not Jesus, it's somebody else, right? And so we, we need to be careful about this. So what, what, I'm, what I'm suggesting to you is that, uh, that we need to be very clear when we're declaring Jesus as Lord, and we need to be clear on how to use our power. It is not either or, it's both and. So as we're on this journey, we need to, we need to learn these things. So it's not, it's not this path of uh, domination. It's not this path of withdrawal or spiritualizing or politicizing, right? But rather, something else. And here's why I spend a little bit more time on this. Look with me at verse 8. Verse 8 says, but you will receive power. Stop right there. The church will receive power. God has given the church power, okay? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Not your own witnesses, not witnesses to your family, your tribe, my witnesses. That's what the Lord says. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what is the way forward here? How do, we, how do we seek to make an impact in the world as ordinary people without surrendering to domination or surrendering to withdrawal? I think what we see here is that the Holy Spirit himself will guide us into the presence of Jesus, right? Into his ruling presence, that he will, he will guide in that presence, and he will guide through that presence and through us. We are called to bear witness to the rule 
of Jesus. We are called to bear witness to his rule in the world and what Jesus is up to in the world. It is, it is, in, it, it is imperative that believers every single day become sensitive to what Christ is doing in the world. What is he doing in my life? What is he doing in my community? What is he doing in my workplace? What is he doing in my family? And how do I get in line with what Christ is doing? How do I get in line with his agenda? Look, this is, part of, this is all part of, uh, of taking advantage of God's promise for us. If we remember back in the book of Genesis, you know, God made that promise to Abraham. When he called Abraham out from the land of his fathers, he said one of the things that he told him is that he said, look, I'm going to give you, remember, many descendants and that um, your descendants right, will, will be my people and I will be their God. Right? He promised that he would walk, that he would be among Abraham's descendants and that they would live in relationship with each other and that they would go throughout the earth making an impact in the name of God that they would bring blessing to all nations, right? And then, as we've already declared in song and in prayer this morning, we remember that uh, in, in the Old Testament, we already got this, what, what we talked about today, which was that, 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 that God traveled, we saw that God traveled with his people, right? He began to, uh, uh, began to answer this promise that he made to Abraham. He was, he was actually there with his people, and he traveled with them in the wilderness. He traveled with them wherever they went, and as he traveled with them, he provided this system of sacrifice so that God's people knew that whenever they were there with the Lord, that they also had provision for their sins, that their sins could also be forgiven, that they could be cleansed, I suspect that for many of the faithful today who fall prey to this spiritualizing or this politicizing, that the issue may be a lack of trust in God's healing power and presence. This lack of trust that God indeed is here and he is walking among us. I've got to be in control. And I've got to dominate because, because God is not here. He's, he's absent. Right? Or, or I, 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 can't, I can't be involved because God, is, God has forsaken me at, at some, some point. Right? He, says he's, has, he hasn't promised to walk with me. And so there's, the only option is either to withdraw or to dominate. We disregard the physical because... Well, look around in our ordinary world. Hasn't God disregarded the physical too? Don't we still suffer miscarriages, child slavery, human trafficking? And some people even disregard, uh, should we disregard the, the spiritual because, of, well, hasn't God done that too? Is he really changing hearts? Right? Isn't there still unrepentant abuse in the world? deep-rooted anger that we struggle with? Is God really present? Is he active? But this is where we need to remember. We need to remember that God took our humanity, that broken humanity that each of us shares. He took that humanity on himself so that it could be restored. Right? Jesus, who was full of grace 
in truth shrouded himself in our flesh and fulfilled the law and became the sacrificial lamb for us. So that as he is with us, we not only have someone whom we can look to to know what it means to live an ordinary human life of impact, but as he is with us, remember that we are deeply and truly loved. Right? And that, he, that, that transformation in our lives, and hence transformation in the lives of those around us, is actually possible. When we look at Jesus, when we look at him as you know, God himself in the flesh, and in his own body becoming, being the Lamb of God, the, the sacrifice for the sins of God's people, we, we, we need to recognize that Jesus himself is the temple of God. Right? Jesus himself is the temple of God. And as we look at this temple, let, let, us, let us be clear that our bodies actually matter. When we look at Jesus, and that there is also forgiveness of sins, that there is also love and grace which is accessible to us, both the physical and the spiritual, our bodies and our souls matter because Jesus is the temple of God. Right? So now think about that. What about those then, as we continue to wrestle with this question about ourselves and the, kind of the journey that we're on and how we live this a life of impact, what about those who have come to this ascended king in humble faith? What should we then take away from Jesus being the temple of God? What do we take away from that for our own selves? How should we live? The apostle Peter said this, chapter 2 in his letter, he says, As you come to him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we become the bridge between heaven and earth, providing a foretaste of what's to come by the Spirit's power, right? And, and through Christ, the ordinary church, get this, y'all, this, is, this just amazes me every time I think about it, that like ordinary people, you and I, the church, we actually become the temple of God. The church has become the, the spirit of God is dwelling among us. What a calling that is. Like as we go out into the world, we are the, the temple of God, mobile. I mean, this is it's amazing. Uh, so, uh, I mean, uh, all right. So, I mean, there's this world that we long for that, that does not have death a world that does not have oppression, right? That world has been promised to us, but it's not here yet. But yet, as we wait for the not yet, we can practice courageous, self-giving love from the church all the way to the bodega, right? It's like we, I mean, we, get, to, we get to be uh, the hands and feet of Jesus, right? Uh, we use our hands in prayer, but also in plowing. Right? We be actually become heavenly-minded for earthly good. And, I, you know, when I looked at this text uh, m many years ago, I used to think, you know, why, why do they have to wait for the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, he says, uh, Jesus says in verse, well, let's go back to verse 6. He said, well, you know, when the apostles were with Jesus, uh, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time for you to free Israel, has, has the time for you 
to free Israel and restore our kingdom, right? And then uh, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I used to look at this, and I go, well, wait, wait. He's just saying, tell people stuff, right? Why do I need the third person of the Godhead? Why do I need the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to be resident in my spirit in order to share good news, just to speak some things, right? And then it dawned upon me that witnessing is a whole lot more than just sharing a message, right? It is not less than that, but it's a whole lot more, right? It is, it is, it is as witnessing, or we are also coming to understand the scriptures, and we are coming to understand reality. We need the Holy Spirit in order to do that. Jesus has called us to fulfill this new commandment, which is to love one another. And, and here's it. Here's it. Jesus takes it up a notch. He says, love one another as I have loved you. I can't do that without the power of the Spirit. That's part of witnessing. We also need to grow in character. That's how we bear witness to a watching world. How do I be engaged in mission and in service wherever I am and actually do it with hope so that when I encounter suffering and death, and inciting incidents and trials, I don't simply give up. I'm not swallowed by despair. I'm not swallowed by, by, uh, by, by my body enemy. But no, the Holy Spirit is actually with me, empowering me, and giving me hope so that I can keep going forward in order to be a witness. How is it that I can actually bear fruit, right, to actually bring something that, that glorifies God through my ordinary works? We need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. As witnesses, how do we begin, how can we tell the people that God is real and that I know that God exists if we actually don't uh, experience intimacy with God in prayer and in community? That has to happen by the Holy Spirit. Like how is it that I, we can actually um, make effective invitations to other people to give their lives to Jesus Christ? How can other people actually be converted so that they are born again and given new life apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in order to be his witnesses. And, and here's it, and we all, there are also some, some others, there, there are different things that are pushing against us. So uh, there's this philosopher, uh, Canadian, uh, Charles Taylor, and he wrote this book called The Secular Age, and uh, if you just, like, if you're having trouble going to sleep, I would recommend this book because it's probably about that big, you know, it's like, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so just, like, start reading that. But, um, but it's, a, it's amazing. I mean, he's got some incredible things, insights from this book, but you can probably just read, you know, just go get your, like, cliff notes or something like that, spark notes, whatever it is. Uh, but one of the things that he talks about in this book uh, with regard to some of the challenges that we have as ordinary people bearing witness to the risen Jesus. It says this. Um, he talks about, he says that the, there is an idea of self, right? The way that we construct and, and understand who we are as people. Right? In ancient times, you appealed to something else, right? And, and this wasn't just Christians, right? And, but in ancient times, the, the self, you know, who you are, it, you, it was something that you had to discover, but it was out there. Right? You wanted to discover the meaning of life, that there was some answer, and that you had to, it was out there and it existed. It was apart from you, and you would, you would seek it and discover it. And then once you did, then you had to figure out how to align things, you know, kind of get your life in line 
with this answer so that you, um, you can construct yourself. But then he, as he points out, and I think we all know this, today is a lot different, right? The modern self, the modern self is something that we are called to create on our own. This is the way our society understands it. It's like the meaning of life is not out there, right? It's not, it's not something that we seek. We don't seek it from another voice or anything of that nature. We don't go on a journey and do that stuff. Like, no, the journey is we go, we go inward, and then not only do we go inward, but we define ourselves, right? It, the, the buck stops here with ourselves, right? And therefore, that, that makes us free. We make ourselves free. And then here's the problem. Then, then, then you got folk, you know, Christians who are, you know, start opening their mouths in public, and they start sounding oppressive to the modern ear. Why? Because we believe that we must discover and align ourselves with the meaning that comes from God. Right? And so when we declare that, when we declare that Jesus is Lord, that he is risen, that we find ourselves by finding him, right? It, it, to, to, to the rest of the world, that is what we're saying, what it sounds like, is you're taking my freedom away. Right? You're, you're, this is like, it's almost anti-American, you know, or, you know, whatever, right? Just sort of like, what, what are you doing? Are you trying to take away my liberty? Actually, yes. Right? But, but it's because we want to give you true freedom. Right? We are the ones who are free. You know why? Because when suffering comes, it cannot take away our meaning in life. If this world is all you have, then suffering will always take that meaning away. Injuries will come. Betrayals will come. Financial reversals and trouble and sickness and death will come. And, and, and you cannot work hard enough right, to, to push back against these things. Suffering is inevitable. Right? And we cannot work hard enough to avoid it. It, it will come. Right? And if, we're, if, we're, if our meaning is in ourselves... If we can only look to ourselves to construct meaning in life, then what happens to people like us who are vulnerable to suffering and to death? Because all of your meaning in life has to be found right here. But if you have given your life to Christ and you have given up your freedom to make meaning for yourself, you actually gain the freedom, right, <laughs> to, to have meaning apart from suffering that happens in your life, right? Be, be, because all, all of your meaning is, as, as the scriptures tell us, is bound up in he who is the living hope. He who, uh, who has risen a, 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 from and defeated death. Our meaning is, is, is anchored. It is in him, the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father. And for those who are connected with Jesus, we, 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 we celebrate because the resurrection is coming. Right? With, with all this, the, the suffering and the, the trials that we go through in the here and now, like it cannot, it cannot rob us of the, of the freedom that we are given in Jesus because uh, because Jesus has already become uh, victorious over these different things. And, and here's the thing. What's, what's so amazing? With the, the Holy Spirit comes, right? And 
uh, he empowers his people so that they can be his witnesses. And the, if the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same one who rose, who took Jesus out of the grave, right, and rose Jesus, got Jesus out of the grave in power, is the same one that comes to be with us so that even in the midst of suffering, we have meaning. Even in the midst of suffering, we make an impact because our powerful God is with us. Jesus is in us, and so Jesus is in the mess, right? And, you know, we might go like, man, okay, I'm, I'm trying to figure out in the, in the midst of all my, my questions about who I am and what I'm supposed to do with my life and how do I take the next step and I don't know what's going to happen to my family and I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to our economy or to this world. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, what to do next. I don't know which way to go. And here's what Luke is telling us. Like, when you can't figure out which way to go, just never forget this one way. Never forget to go to Christ. Go to him, right? I mean, if we don't know which way to go, it's like Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Right? So, well, I can't find God. Well, go to Christ. Right? And, and let us see what Christ will do in the lives of ordinary people like you and I, even in the midst of our questions and doubts and suffering and trials. Because we're just ordinary people. But Jesus is risen with all power in his hand. The Father has given him authority over heaven and earth. And people of God, you are his temple. Christ dwells in you and through you because of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we can take it slow. We can invest in the people and the places around us. We don't need to be in a hurry. God's got it all under his hands. We can walk with the Spirit and not run. What characterizes our journey? What should characterize it? Not spiritualizing, not politicizing, but as far as you go, however long you live, you're always responsible to bear witness as God bears witness to his power in our ordinary lives. And remember that our world is searching for God. So let us, as we trust in him and allow him to do what he wants to do in our lives, make an impact on others as we let them see the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that um, as we've already heard this morning, that uh, from our brother, uh, Dave, that your power is made perfect in our weakness. Lord, we, uh, who are we that uh, we should make an impact in this world and make a difference? We know our problems. We know our issues. We know just how weak we are. Your Father, you are pleased to work through us and to make your presence and your power known. Lord, be our strength today. Be our wisdom. Be our guide. And would you, Lord, by your grace, 
allow many other lives to be changed, allow lives to be saved, allow systems to be renewed, allow this world to be transformed as you make yourself known through us. Lord, may we at the end of our days uh, be able to declare that we, uh, we, we simply lived in your presence and lived to make you known to a watching world. Thank you, God, for all of your promises, for all your love and your grace toward us, which we depend on day by day. In Jesus' name, amen.